before the Critchelites started hoarding and bragging about their action figures. Before Demongo went vest shopping and committed arguably history's worst ever fashion crime. Before being a mostly naked man was charged as a high felony in an underground mushroom society. Before it all, there was some black goo, then some dinosaurs, then Samurai Jack's dad, and then eventually the rest of the stuff I just mentioned. This is Gotta Recap. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Back to the cast. Gotta recap. It is episode number redacted. We'll talk about it in a minute. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Brendan. It's going to be okay. I'm, I'm concerned. What's happening? <laughs> Nick Montagani, I am here with Brendan Riley. Brendan, it's a it's a wonderful day to make this podcast. Oh, yeah. Yep. No reason to go outside. Freezing out there. The snow is coming down. We're recording this in the middle of a gigantic blizzard that a lot of people in our neck of the woods are dealing with. It's like all over the East coast of the United mm-hmm. States. It's like 45 degrees in Orlando, Florida today or oh something. My God. Insane. A couple days yeah. ago, somebody on YouTube was like, this is the biggest storm I've ever seen. I was like, it hasn't started yet. You haven't seen anything. <laughs> they kind of say that before <laughs> every storm. And I feel like the last few years that they say that it ends up not being the storm that they <laughs> yeah. were predicting. Yeah. This time, it seems like they kind of had the right idea because it is really, it's really coming down yeah. out there. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how it goes for the rest of the day. <laughs> Hopefully, it doesn't interrupt with our recording sesh, but we'll, we'll figure out the technical details. <laughs> uh, Brendan, you and me both did a little independent research after last week's episode and came to the same conclusion on something that, something that we pondered yep. during our recording. Yep. Um, at the time of last week's episode, uh, Jack the Monks and the Ancient Master's Son, an episode title that has not grown on me. And in fact, I think it's getting worse. Yeah, absolutely not. No, nope. I don't ever want to say it ever again. <laughs> Only in our season ending recap shall we have to do that. <laughs> and then never again. Uh, we both pondered uh, if the names of the Kung Fu moves that Jack and the Monks were doing, and there were many good named moves oh, yeah. in that episode. Uh, we wondered if those were names that the writers had come up with for the show or if they were the actual names of established Kung Fu fighting moves. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we discussed off the pod, uh, it turns out like almost every single one of those moves was an actual Kung Fu move that exists. Yeah. Uh, they might have said something slightly different than what it's like referred to, but all of them were basically real Real, Real moves, moves in like fancy. actual like Shao, Shaolin Kung Fu or like I think moves that have been used in other like Kung Fu movies mm-hmm. before, um, including uh, Monkey Steals the Peach and, a, real, and a horse drinking water. Those, those two were our favorite ones. And it turns out they were both legit. Yep. I thought they might have been, but I at the time didn't know enough about it. They seemed like very silly names where, yeah, they could have been fake, but I'm even happier to know that like, no, those, those are the real deal. Um, 
Unfortunately, I don't. I I looked really long and hard for this. I don't think that water beetle is an actual uh, kung fu. Uh, I didn't look for that one. I should have. Yeah. Uh, it probably isn't because all he did was like scuttle around <laughs> for a minute, <laughs> walked like a crab, and yeah. smiled deeply, staring into the eyes of these guys. Like, oh man, I'm so, we're so united in the water beetle. This is great. Maybe that was just like a little inside joke that they have, yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed all of the other moves and I enjoyed learning that they were in fact real moves. So our, our questions were answered. Mm -hmm. Uh, hopefully Brendan will have many other questions answered in this week's episodes. Question mark of Uh, Samurai Jack. Hopefully we'll find out. Let's recap it. All right, Brendan. So here's the deal. Mm -hmm. We are talking today. You and me are talking today about not only episode 37 of Samurai Jack, but also episode 38 of Samurai Jack. Uh, these two episodes together were uh, a, a sort of hour long special on Cartoon Network on August 16th, 2003, uh, titled The Birth of Evil, parts one and two. Hell yeah. Um, big, big event in the history of this television show and also our podcast. So now I don't every week have to tell you like, oh man, I'm really looking forward to the big two part episode that's coming up soon. Now what are we going to do though? (laughs) (laughs) I'll just have to look forward to something else, uh, which I don't, I don't have anything else to look forward to. And other than my, my early grave (laughs) or season five where I have not seen anything. I am actually very excited for when all of that comes, but Yeah, The Birth of Evil Parts 1 and 2, you and me are going to be discussing today, which we've never done before on this podcast. You and me have never tackled two episodes in one recording sesh. Nope, Uh, not even at the beginning when they had the the film, the first three episode film. Right, we took those week by week, even watching them, but we've watched both episodes. We're going to talk about both of them today, but we are going to release them separately, uh, part one. Uh, will be, I mean, you're listening to it right now. And then a week from today, uh, we will, you will hear our discussion of part two of the birth of evil. Um, so we're probably going to hold off our, uh, like episode recap, like our, our feelings and review the ending portion of our show. Uh, we'll probably hold off on doing any of that until next week's episode. Mm -hmm. Um, but these are two meaty episodes that we need to dig into and I'm very, very excited to do it. Yeah. Uh, they're they're big. It's a big one. I'm very excited about it. Here we are, Brendan. There's a black screen and a white title. And it says The Birth of Evil. And it's written in papyrus font. Ooh. <laughs> the most evil of fonts. I I thought it was really funny that it was literally written in papyrus font, like from Microsoft Word. Uh, I went into my own word processor and typed the birth of evil in papyrus font. And sure enough, yeah, it was the exact same as what we're oh, looking yeah, at yeah. here. Then it's not the first time they've used that font in this show. You also, I like forgot that the end credits, I think every single week is written in papyrus I'm, font. I'm pretty so sure, it's just, yeah. That's yeah. just what they do. Uh, do shows, shows probably don't like, I mean, they have their own stylized like titles and stuff like that mm-hmm. but for like credits and stuff. I don't think probably anyone like creates their own font specifically for the credits, do they? Probably not. Uh, they might like buy like non-standard fonts and use those. That's possible. 
I would I wouldn't imagine that anyone's out there creating entire typefaces for <laughs> credits. The only thing I can think of is like the Spider Man font that they use for those or Sony the Spider Man trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like that became like the PlayStation Three font. Yeah, yeah, it did. What a good font or a bad font. I don't know. I I could go either way with it's that. A, yeah, it's it's fine. It's a font. It's a thing. It's a thing. Okay. The birth of evil. <laughs> this title says against the black screen and it fades away and we're just looking at the black screen, but then there's an electric explosion and we're seeing these colorful beams of light bursting in every direction across the black screen. And there's a small little white dot right in the middle of the screen and a implosion happened. There's a very quick implosion and the black screen gets like pulled into that white dot right in the middle. And it turns out that white dot is a star in outer space. And we're now in outer space and we're actually hanging out in like that same orangey kind of space nebula pattern that we saw back in Jack and the Swamp Wizard. If it's not the exact same, they're like going for like the exact same kind of vibe. A similar thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Um, this quiet, the quiet of space is interrupted by another loud burst of energy. And this black mass pours out from around that tiny little white star. And it's this big wriggling, un, like indescribable black blob mm-hmm. stretching in every direction. And it starts shifting around in space, like moving around the stars, and then it takes off like a banshee, just like soaring through space at high speeds. Yeah, it just starts ripping away. And the camera pulls out, and we're looking at a big flaming sun, and three figures fly out from the sun and start to come into focus. And I'm so excited for these three figures that we're about to talk about. Oh, yeah. Because it's not the first time we've talked about at least two of them. Right, yep. So the three people that are coming towards us are... Gods from several ancient like pantheons. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is Odin, the All Father. Yep, he's got a big eye patched face that's obscured by a gigantic winged helmet. Yep, he's got a big trident riding an eight legged horse. The big badass white stallion. Yeah, with eight legs and like a cool blue mohawk. I love this this thing. Yeah, that's a uh, Sleipnir. That's one of Loki's kids. Is it now? Yeah. Yep. Okay. You, I was going <laughs> to, I was going to like ask you, Brendan, and this is not meant to be a burn, but like, you know, that when stupid, like actual historical shit comes up on this podcast, like why even bother doing the research on your end when you know that like I'm obsessed with this shit and will like give you every <laughs> little detail that yeah. I'm able to find. Um, yep. <laughs> that's that's not a dig at you for not doing research. It's a dig at myself for doing too much research. But that one, that one you beat me on. So well done. Yeah, that one. I'm a big fan of, uh, as we've discussed before, the Norse mythology uh, and especially Loki's children. Uh, and that one's one of the strangest ones, especially because it's born. And then Odin's like, I'm gonna, that's going to be my horse now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking this. <laughs> I'm taking your kid. I'm going to ride him around. What about Fenrir? Fenrir the wolf? Yeah, I know yeah, him. That's a good one. That one bites off. Um, oh, shit. Uh, Tear. Tear. That's it. Thank you. Bites off Tear's hand. And then right. uh, the big snake. That's one of his kids. Mm-hmm. And Hell, the, the half dead girl. It's a 
complicated family they've got going on oh, over yeah. there. Yep. Uh, as are kind of all like ancient pantheons. Yeah. There are a lot of complicated families that you know you try not to think about too hard about like, where they came from, what they're doing. It's okay. Uh, Odin is here. Yeah, he's riding that big white stallion. I actually went back because this is, of course, not the first time that we've seen Odin on this TV show. Uh, I went back to Jack and the Lava Monster, where we've talked many times about how the end of the episode is <laughs> that Viking warrior standing amongst like Odin and Thor and Freya and like all of the, the Norse gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, wildly different character design of I this Odin compared yeah. to that Odin. I didn't go check myself, but I was like, I don't think this is how he looked when we first I had saw to him. know. Yeah, I had to know. Uh, in that episode, he's wearing like a big blue outfit. Also, his eye patch is on the other eye. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's a big one, so, it seems like. <laughs> they they kind of messed that up, but I had to go back and check just to uh, compare notes. And Brendan, I'm happy to say that like I did get to see the ending of that episode where the Viking warrior makes a big dumbass smile while he's being carried by the Valkyries <laughs> into the sky. I love it. It's so good. Still one of the best scenes in the show. Extremely hilarious. I'll never not think that's funny. (laughs) So that's Odin. Uh, Next to Odin is Rama, who's actually uh, one of the avatars of the Hindu deity Vishnu. Uh, I wish I had paid more attention. I had I took like a comparative religion class in high school where we learned a lot like a lot of religions of like the Eastern Mm -hmm. world. Um and we learned a lot about Hinduism and like, I was very interested in it at the time. And like, I just wish I remembered all the lessons that I learned. Isn't that the way it goes though? I know with like any, any high school, like history class or something like that. Like there's always something that I was fascinated with. And then, yeah, just didn't keep up with because <laughs> you didn't need it. You never used I it didn't again. Need it. <laughs> Till Here now. we are. I'm using, I'm using it again. <laughs> yeah. You have to call up your teacher and apologize. Uh, I don't know if she's alive. Oh, I know. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Rama is, uh, riding on the back of a, a big blue elephant. Uh, and his six arms are pulling taut a golden bow, which is very cool. It is very cool. I love, I love the way they utilize the, his six arms and the bow for these and the bow and yeah, multiple arrows. All yeah. very cool. Uh, that's not all, Brendan, because the other god that is in this scene is our old buddy Ra, the Egyptian sun god. Oh, yeah. Big bad Ra. <laughs> so wonderful to see him again. And uh, just like with Odin, his last appearance was one of our favorite all-time moments on this television show. Yeah. Anytime they bring up like a, an, a literal god, I'm I'm on board. I'm for it. <laughs> and that one was so silly because he like just wreaked havoc on the minions and Jack and the minions, despite having like a very blank stare the entire (laughs) time he was there in this episode. Like he's a little more defined than we last Mm -hmm. saw him. He still does kind of have a blank stare, which is just, I mean, he's a bird person. So like, that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. Um, But he's got a little more definition. There's some stuff going on with raw. Uh, Yeah. He's standing, he's riding on top of a, he's standing tall actually on top of a crocodile. Uh, that has the same like sun disc thing on its head as Ra yep. has, which I think is kind of fun. Yeah, uh, I thought that was interesting. Actually, at first, when they all three of them first appeared, I thought all of them had some sort of like ankh or something on their head. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, are these all Egyptian gods? And then I saw Odin. It was like, 
pretty sure that's Odin. <laughs> I don't think, yeah. Like I'm he's not, Egyptian. I, I mean, I, I paid a little bit of attention <laughs> in that religion class. Neil Gaiman didn't say anything about this. <laughs> All I heard about was the, the very smart guy made of spit. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's uh, riding that alle- or crocodile. Sorry, it's a crocodile. It's not an alligator. Nope. Uh, and he's holding yeah, an onk and a scepter, as is traditional for Ra. Uh, I did a lot of research, Brendan. I had to. Yeah, I played Spelunky. <laughs> I didn't. I just uh, know how to use Google. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were kind of presented all three of them, and there's an epic music that's playing behind it. And it's kind of fun because like as it focuses on each of these three gods there, it's, it's like a slightly different variation of that score that's playing, mm-hmm. which is fun. Yeah. And the uh, majestic steeds that they're all riding are galloping through space and they're chasing after that that strange black blob creature that lets out like these demonic whales as it, it soars through space and it looks like the gods are like kind of like on a hunt, like they're hunting this thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're they're really chasing it down. Yeah. No kind of explanation of like where they're coming from or like how they know about this thing. But yeah, they're they're looking to kill this this black blob. Will it work? Let's find out. Who knows? <laughs> Rama fires three arrows from that golden bow. So, yeah, making good use of the multiple arms. Um, and those three arrows cut through the black goo and it starts to burn away at that black goo like we've seen before, but only just recently mm-hmm. in uh, Jack and the Swamp Wizard was, I think, the first time that we saw like that. I think so, yeah. I wonder if if that episode was kind of written and produced in conjunction with this one, and they were like, yeah. let's, let's give it a little more definition to what happens when the darkness takes magical damage. It was informative of, yeah, the, <laughs> the way that this dark material will be destroyed in every subsequent episode of Samurai Jack. Yeah. Like this is now this is how it works, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's super cool. Yeah, I like it a lot. And it's it also to very used moment. to differentiate between like non damaging damage, I guess I would say. Yeah. Like we see at some point later it gets cut uh, and it does shred like it used to, but it doesn't burn. Right. So that's like an indication like that didn't really do anything. Right. Yeah. It's a helpful hint for mm-hmm. us, the viewers. Uh, that creature convulses and it forms like a like a weird mouth that cries out in pain. It's like a amorphous blob, but yeah, it does have like some like human characteristics at times when it chooses to. Yeah, it's like the pollution from Fern Gully before it turns into the big monster guy when it's just like a little little blob kind of crawling around. I don't think I've seen Fern Gully on like twenty plus years. Oh my god, it's a great. We film. can correct that. Yeah, we should next bonus episode Fern Gully. We talk about fun. Talk about Robin Williams rapping. Uh, Yeah, I mean we should just do that anyway. (laughs) Um, yeah, that it cries out in pain, and and uh, Odin and Ra both blast it with lasers from their weapons, and it continues to shriek, and uh, it twists and turns, and it shapeshifts itself into like this giant crab spider monster thing, a somewhat familiar shape. We've seen something like it. Not exactly this, but. I just think it's really cool to see this thing like shape shifting into other creatures. Like I, it's cool to know that like that is a defining feature of whatever this black mass is, is like it will shape shift into monsters when it has to. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's not just a thing that our guy does, but it's what this stuff does. <laughs> yeah. Um, it starts attacking the gods with like these giant pincers and uh, Odin slices through one and yeah, it burns away again, just like we've seen with all these magical attacks. Um, Rama gets hit in the chest and that blackness starts to like envelop him. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ra blasts it away and saves Rama. Uh, the three gods hack their way through this black goo. Um, there's a very cool shot of the camera, like pulled way out in space, observing like the entirety of this creature's like enigmatic form, just being blasted away by like these rapid fire attacks from yeah, the gods. We get the silhouettes of them each kind of like separated and it's got like all the black tendrils kind of like surrounding each of them and they're yeah. just like tearing away all around zipping around on their mighty beasts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then, then we just get a long sequence of them slicing off bits of this this form that curl up and like spiral away into space, but they all burn up like all the way through their entire forms. Mm-hmm. And so that goes on for a little while. And then we watch a piece of that black body get hacked off and starts to fly away just like the others do. But the scene slows down and we watch that bit fly away in space and there's a dramatic music sting that happens. And the gods are too busy destroying the rest of that black goo that they don't notice as that small piece that broke off keeps spinning away and the glowing embers that are slowly creeping up its black form go out and the yep. fire stops and the pieces intact. Yeah, just drifting away. Never to be seen again, or will it? Or will it? Mm. <laughs> that's that's just that's the never-ending question in this episode. Like, will this matter? <laughs> yes, probably <it> will. Yeah. <laughs> Everything matters in what happens here. Uh, yeah, we focus on that piece just spinning away further and further into space as the fight continues in the background, and there's this very dramatic music that is fully drowning out the sounds of the attacks in the background. And we see the final attacks from the gods finishing off the rest of that black demon. And the hunt is over, Brendan, but the story is just beginning. Bum, bum, bum. How'd you like that? I wrote that in my notes. That was very good. I want, I want now another special where we go even further back and we see why these gods were chasing this thing in the first place. I want that too. Yeah. I mean, for all the questions that we get answered in this episode, there are like more <laughs> questions that like yeah. I now have and want to see, but like, it's just how far back would, would we have to go to really see I know, for infinite? <laughs> yeah. This is as far back as it gets. I mean, there's no telling how, I mean, we'll talk about some time periods here in a moment, but like, <laughs> there's no telling exactly how long ago this scene we just watched right. took place in relation to the course of, Earth's history. Human history, yeah. Yeah. Or even, yeah, just even Earth. Earth. Yeah, 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 you're right. <laughs> um, we're looking at the darkness of space, and that small piece of that black goo is just hurtling through the sky past stars and planets and like entire galaxies. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah, unsure like how long of a journey it really takes, just soaring through space. Um, and it enters our galaxy. And we could tell because we're seeing like Saturn and Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the distance, we can see Earth. That's where you and me are right now. Oh, whoa. I know. Crazy. And presumably everybody listening to this podcast are also. But, you know, except the people who are, are fans on the space station. 
That's true. We did have a few Shout people in the space station reach out to us and tell us that they would send us uh, astronaut ice cream and we turned them down. <laughs> what? You did what? That's right. I'm in charge of the email. You got to get in there and <laughs> stop me before I shut down all of our fans. Oh, the astronaut ice cream. <sighs> Actually, I didn't shoot down that uh, offer. I've just been hoarding it and not telling you. <laughs> Turns out I love it. Uh, that piece, yeah, flies into our galaxy and actually flies past the moon and starts to enter the Earth's atmosphere. It looks like it soars over like the Americas and seems to be headed towards Asia, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Given what we know about this creature or entity or whatever it becomes. Exactly. Um, Although, I don't know. I'll I'll make this point in a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dinosaurs. Lots of them. They're here. There's a sprawling valley with these big watering holes and flaming volcanoes in the distance beyond the valley. And you got dinosaurs, Brendan. Name every got, type of dinosaur that shows you up. Got, you got your long necks. <laughs> you got your flying boys. <laughs> you got you your Petries, your Sarahs. The other dinosaurs. <laughs> your duckies. Not the mama, they say. <laughs> All the dinosaurs are here. It's just like Smash Ultimate. Everyone is here. <laughs> um, the dinosaurs are just chilling, you know, drinking water and eating leaves. And there's a roaring fireball that flashes across the sky and lands beyond those mountains in the distance. And a huge explosion just wipes out the whole entire scene. Yeah. Uh, is the implication that this was the meteor that killed all the dinosaurs? <laughs> exactly what i was going to say is i believe that's the implication that like that meteor that we know of in our history was just this yeah um which is which pretty was, cool <laughs> which is really cool but if i know my dinosaur history enough which i wouldn't claim to be a dinosaur expert dinosaurs have never really been like my thing you know how some people's thing is dinosaurs yeah. mm-hmm. i was that was never me no uh but i think we th- we believe that the Meteor that killed the dinosaurs landed in the Gulf of Mexico, I think, is that's, what we think. I'm pretty sure, yeah. That's why it's got that shape to it. It's a big crater. Right. I mean, makes sense. Um, so, but this one very clearly landed in Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, <laughs> we don't have to get that technical with it. <laughs> well, also, though, if we really want to examine the scene, <laughs> it creates a big mushroom cloud. And we that's... see, like, the extent of the shockwave. And it's not... It's huge, but it's not like world endingly big. Right. Right. It's not like half of the planet, but yeah. it is like many thousands of square miles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the implication is definitely that this is the meteor that killed the dinosaurs, which I like that like that that's where they're going with it. Like I yeah. don't know. I thought that was a really cool. Aku ruined all the dinosaurs. Piece of shit. We could have been riding them right now. <laughs> I could have been driving my T Rex to work. <laughs> Using my pterodactyl phone or dishwasher whatever the hell it was it's a living (laughs) um (laughs) yeah giant mushroom cloud from outer space and uh the explosion settles and the screen fades to black and then it cuts back down onto the ground on earth and there's these dust clouds everywhere that blow away and just reveal dino bodies everywhere that have been reduced to skeletons Mm mm-hmm and like a really like 
horribly sad scene of a triceratops like drowning oh, in in oil or tar. Yeah, I like made me. There's a lot of things that happen in this episode that make me really sad. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of them involving things being dragged into tar, dead animals dying in tar. <laughs> um, yeah, this. So we're looking at all these skeletons and then a jagged black crack starts to form in the ground and uh, the camera pans over these black bubbling tar pits that are like filled with dinosaur skeletons. And just like you said, there's a triceratops there that just barely has its head above water and like is struggling to breathe and it moans as the tar consumes it and it drowns and just one single air bubble rises up to the surface and pops and we hear like the final sound of that dinosaur it's just so awful yeah, yeah. why would you do um, that <laughs> it sucks yeah i mean you could have just i even seeing the skeletons was sad enough but like this was <laughs> actively watching it die <laughs> pulling at the heartstrings I felt like i knew that dinosaur i felt like we were <laughs> old drinking buddies or something um yeah the dinosaurs are dead. <laughs> um, there's another loud rumbling and the cracks in the ground start to spread out and black goo, like black tar, oozes out of those cracks. And then these tall, spiky pillars burst up from that black goo. And they're almost like sharp, like very pointy, leafless trees. Yeah, I, I kind of read them all as like dead trees. Yeah, um, which makes even more sense as like the camera pulls out to reveal like many thousands of them so it's like an entire forest of these spiky trees mm -hmm. they've sprouted up all around like the impact site of this this big black thing and there's a sound of more burst more of these trees bursting up from the ground like way in the distance you know they're these very like jet black pointy structures that they have a vibe that reminds me of someone we know yeah <laughs> similar similar style yeah there's a guy that we've talked about, and perhaps we'll talk about a little later. Uh, perhaps we'll see. That's like the fourth time I've I done that. I wonder if that'll come back up. Yeah. <laughs> rows and rows of trees. Rows and rows of spiky trees and dead dinos. Um, the screen fades to black, and there's a hard cut to a howling blizzard. Uh, Brendan, look out your window. Did they do a good job of animating a howling they blizzard? They did. Actually, when this scene started, I was like, ah, oh, God damn you. I'm freezing right now. <laughs> this is me. Yeah. I am this show. Now I'm watching a storm on TV and I feel even colder <laughs> than I did a second ago. Yeah. This, this raging blizzard and through the blizzard, we can barely make out a campfire that's in the distance. So we have now progressed millions of years past the last scene into mm -hmm. the ice ages. And like the dawn of man. Yep. And there's some footprints through these snowy hills and like a very prehistoric Cro-Magnon man appears or maybe a Neanderthal. I don't know. It's there's very specific. A Neanderthal is not a human as, no. as we should all know there. It's literally a different species, but mm -hmm. I think Cro-Magnon is a human. I don't know. I got to choose my words more carefully. I here. have no idea. I know that there's a step that we're missing somewhere in that chain. <laughs> Sasquatch. That's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, this big old caveman covered in furs trudges through the snow. And uh, he's looking out through that blizzard and he kind of yells out into the distance. And uh, someone else screams back at him. And that man says something in a unrecognizable language 
and uh, runs up to that other person who's on the ground far away. And that that man he yelled to is sinking in a bubbling black tar pit. Mm -hmm. Horrifying. Really scary. Yeah. Like very dramatic moment as he like desperately reaches his hand out and in this this foreign language pleads uh, for his friend to pull him out of the goo and the he he pulls as hard as he can, but the man just will not budge and starts sinking down further into the tar. Mm-hmm. And that that first man calls out through the blizzard, and a group of four other very primitive-looking people run in to help this sinking man, and they kind of disappear into the snow, and we don't see them anymore. But then the sound of every single person in this scene screaming rings out through the blizzard, and then that sound stops, and then just a big crack forms in the snowy ground and a spiky tree shoots up out of it. Yeah. And this is where I start to get the feeling that these trees are related to like not, not necessarily people because it happened with the dinosaurs too, but like lives taken by this, this goo. That's that. That's the thought that I had in the very next scene, which we'll talk about right now. It fades into that next scene and we're looking at like that same mountainous valley. Mm -hmm. Um, but the ice ages are over and it's like much greener here. Um, and there's some small, like simple tents that are now built around a campfire. So it's progressed even further than from whatever scene we were just at by, you know, at least thousands of years. Yeah. Um, and there's the silhouettes of people in the distance, just like living in this little village and like growing crops. So like they're starting to become slightly more civilized. And it seems um, we are maybe in either China or Japan for this scene. Everyone's yeah. got rice hats and it looks like they're growing rice patties. Yep. And the camera pulls out from that village and pans over just beyond the mountains and the black cracks uh, and the the tar pits are like bursting into the scene towards the mountain and stop like just outside of that, that mountain range. And this is where, yeah, this, this is where like the thought that you just had kind of resonated with me. Um, Cause there's some flowers that are growing on the side of the mountains and like they start to wither and die as those cracks catch up to them and like their petals start to fall off. And before they can even like reach the ground, that black goo, like the cracks, come even closer and like the petals fall into that black tar. So it does seem like this stuff is basically like powered and motivated by just like any death. Yeah. Sapping like the life force of anything around it. Yeah. Um, Which answers like a lot of questions that I have had on this show and I know you have had too. Um, But yeah, it does seem like just any, any kind of life force that this thing can drain, be it man, animal, or even plant in this scene Mm -hmm. is like what, helps it spread and grow and like reproduce and, and take over this, this land. Yeah. Very uh, cool idea. Yeah. Especially because like, if you really think down to it, it's trying to regain all of the mass that it once had. Mm. Uh, and it's taking, it's taking thousands of years to like really, or millions of millions years to really, of years, yeah, yeah. To really get there. Right. Um, which I'm so thankful that like, <laughs> They had these scenes, which, yeah, again, answer questions that I've asked multiple times mm-hmm. on the show. Um, but from yeah, from there, it fades to the next scene. And we're looking at that same village, but they've made progress now. And like the very crude tents that they had are now replaced by like more advanced huts. Um, and there's more crops and like livestock. And there's a river that's running through this valley, um, which is where I started to have some thoughts about what we were looking at exactly Where we are. Yeah. yeah. 
um, a man in this this village walks toward a fence and puts down a plate of food for an animal. Uh, but the rope that was holding that animal to the fence has been severed. And uh, he whistles and calls out for Shunichi, which I think is probably a dog. I gathered that it was a dog. Um, I don't know. I didn't Just actually really think about for it. it. Yeah, and he's, he's whistling for it as well. So probably. Also, it makes me more sad to think that it's a dog based on what happens. <laughs> they killed the dog, those bastards. Yeah, he's looking for Shunichi, and he walks out of the village, and he keeps walking and call, calling out to this animal, but he's cut off as he gasps at the sight of the black forest of spiky trees that's growing up from the bubbling earth just on the other side of the mountain surrounding this village. Has no one ever been out this far and returned? Uh, yeah, so the what I thought was that it must like show up and then go away like hide out it like comes and, and takes as much as it can without completely wiping out like the resource yeah. and then goes into hiding mm. and only comes back like when it's replenished enough for for it to regain without to cause, spread because obviously it doesn't want to destroy all life on the planet right away yeah because it needs it like it 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 does need a food source to right. like grow and get bigger and more powerful but yeah and also, that like goes a long way towards like telling me why like the the gates of Earth have been opened up to creatures from other galaxies like thousands of years in the future is to like keep bringing life forces to Earth. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah, this man looks down at the cracks in the ground and sees the other side of that severed rope is sticking out of the black goo, and he sobs and wails for the lost life of Shunichi, and it's very, very sad. He's, like, oh, yeah. devastated. We don't even know what Shunichi was. Nope, but we, we know this guy really loved it. And I miss I miss Shunichi, too, like, a lot. <laughs> like, a lot, a lot. Shunichi uh, was just a sentient rope. <laughs> it crawled its way out and got itself in trouble. <laughs> what a bold move for them to make on the show. Uh, the scene fades out one last time, and when it fades back in, we're looking at that same valley again, but things have now drastically changed both for better and for worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's large buildings now in this city. It's not like a little village anymore, but is like a fully established city. Um, very large buildings surrounding this gigantic tower in the middle of the city. Um, so already, you know, we're kind of leaning into knowing exactly where we are. Oh, yeah, yeah. At uh, this point, it's pretty recognizable. Pretty, pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's like, yeah, this 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 place has come a long way, but the cracks and the ground and the spikes, these big spiky trees have like finally caught all the way up to this civilization. They're no longer just like, yeah, hiding out the outskirts. They have like fully creeped in and are like taking over. Mm -hmm. uh, and we cut inside of that, that big tall tower in the middle of the city. And sure enough, we confirm exactly where we are uh, because we are looking at the symbol of Jack's old order the uh, diamond with the lines cut through on each face of the diamond. We are we are looking at that exact same symbol. So sure enough, we are in Jack's homeland. Yep. Welcome back. Here we are. I missed it. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't think we've seen this place since uh, Jack remembers the past. That's exactly right. And in that in that episode, it was in disrepair as well. But mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Actually, maybe 
for like the exact same reason because Aku ransacked it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But it was also more grown over. So it didn't, it didn't look as bad. In fact, it looked kind of pretty in like a sad way. Yeah. This just looks sad in a sad way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. A, a door creaks open in this building and we see two samurai swords sitting in like a display and there's a group of people sitting in front of a humongous Buddha statue in a very bright chamber and Brendan Samurai Jack's mother who is pregnant pleads with her husband the emperor to reconsider his next steps oh man I do not understand why it must be you to carry out this task my duties are clear as the emperor, this problem is my responsibility. What of your family? Do you not have a higher responsibility unto them? Do not speak of such nonsense. You are most important to me. But the people and our land are also my family. I must go. The emperor is fitted with his armor and uh, a monk walks in the room and he's holding like this very small vial ch- yeah chalice i would probably call it a vial of some sort container yeah I don't know. <laughs> he tells the emperor uh, the elixir is ready and says that it is the key to vanquishing this devilry and he hands it to the emperor and he pockets it and Brendan, just when you thought Phil Lamar was not going to be in this episode, that that monk, that was Chaboy. Oh, man. I actually didn't notice. I th- like had an inkling. I was like, mm, that could be him. And I could see them wanting to like use him in this episode as non-Jack. Uh, sure enough, that was him. And I think he's also credited with two other characters in this episode. So <laughs> he's all over the place. You don't know him. He's always hiding in the shadows. Yeah. I mean, you can't do like a big Samurai Jack special and not have him. Exactly. Yeah. I wonder if there is any episode of Samurai Jack that he's not credited in. I, I mean, there know. is IMDb. IMDb exists yeah. for this purpose. And when I was looking this up, I think it said that he voiced Jack in like 58 episodes, which there are 62 episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. So like the two that we're talking about today are two episodes where he did not voice Jack. And then I guess there's two more. There's two more that he wouldn't have. Yeah. Hmm. Are there any that we have seen to this point? I don't think so. He, no, it's not the chicken one. He does speak in that. Yeah. Uh, Even maybe like episode, a flashback. Episode like, one, He, I don't think. No, he does. I mean, he goes into Aku's house and tells him he's going to defeat him through the right. virtue You're of righteousness right. or whatever the fuck he says. The same line that we'll talk about in episode 38 here in just a moment. Yeah, no, I, I can't. I can't think of any that we've seen yet. I don't think so either. But I mean, I guess they're coming. Um, but yeah, Phil Lamar, he's got his hands all over this this ding dang show. I'm happy for it. <laughs> As he should. He's the he's the main character. He's the main guy. Yeah, he's the dude. Uh, Jack's mother is weeping, but uh, his father lifts her head up and smiles down at her. And we see his face for the first time in this scene. And he's a much younger man than I think we've ever seen him before. And yeah. we've only seen him like two or three times. But he's looks remarkably different in this episode. In fact, he looks exactly like Jack in a way that I think he never has before, except he's got like a little mustache and beard and like a big, ugly nose. Yeah, he does have a big, weird nose. (laughs) That stood out to me. Uh, That was odd. I think this is probably what, like 10 years before 
uh, the first episode, roughly. I think that's basically what we worked at. It might even be less than that, because yeah, I thought I, we might have determined he was like five years old. Oh, when did we? When I, when oh. I can't remember. Yeah, I would put him between five and ten, uh, definitely. Something like that. So he, yeah, looks much younger in this episode than he did in those other episodes. So like, I think just this fight aged him tremendously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like, a, it's like, you can actually, we could probably point to the scene when that comes up. Of like, yeah, this is it. This is right here. Like, yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. He lifts up Jack's mother and he places his hand on her pregnant stomach and she holds his hand and she hugs him as he stares like blankly ahead, like seemingly unsure if he'll ever return to her. Yeah, well, he doesn't know. Well, we'll find it. We'll, we'll find out. I wonder if he will. <laughs> I hate myself. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the I you were going to do it for the elixir, too. <laughs> I, I, wonder, I wonder if it'll work. Will it, will it vanquish the devilry? I don't know. I guess we'll see. It's going to kill Aku once and for all. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Uh, the Emperor's generals arrive, and I think one of the general, or maybe the only speaking general, is also voiced by Philomar, so <laughs> he's all over it. Um, they fit the Emperor with this big, badass Shogun helmet, mm-hmm. which I love. And uh, it's go time, baby. Uh, there's a large dr- drum that's pounding, and uh, immediately the camera cuts to the emperor and an army of samurai riding horses out of the city and carrying their banners into battle, and it cuts to commercial. Ooh. This might be the most notes I've ever taken on an episode, but I think it's worth it. Oh, it's fair, yeah. There's a lot to talk this about. This may be the most important episode <laughs> that's ever. happened. Yeah. This plus the next one. Uh it roars back in from commercial and the emperor and his samurai warriors are charging out of the city towards that spiky black tree forest in the distance. And uh, the horses gallop hard into the forest and it's quiet at first. Uh, but then there's a sound of a spike bursting up from the ground and the emperor looks over at the horse next to him and it's just the horse. The rider is gone. Yeah. Which is pretty, pretty spooky. Yeah. Very scary and uh he like has a little shocked look on his face but he he kind of keeps his cool and keeps riding ahead and another spike shoots up like just in front of him and his his horse skids to a halt and he looks around at like all the other horses surrounding him and they're all missing riders which is interesting aku or the it's not aku at this point the the darkness doesn't want the horses just the people yeah he's a horse fan (laughs) he likes them It's like Aku's a snake fan. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Confirmed. (laughs) There are still some other samurai warriors left and the emperor. He continues the charge and he plows ahead as the sound of spikes bursting up from the ground, like mixes in with the cries of his army around him and like the whinnies of panicked horses. Mm -hmm. And this goes on for a while until the only noise that's left in the scene is the sound of the emperor's own horse charging forward. He is the lone survivor and like he very quickly realizes that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, I like the shot, too, of like we're we're beside him and he's like riding through the trees on like it's like a clearly defined path on the ground. Yeah. Like it's the only part that's lit up. Kind of reminds me of uh, Kingdoms. Is that the name of the game? Where you, it's like Sounds a left right. to right game where you're riding your horse around building stuff. Kind of reminded me of that. Um, yeah, he all of his army is now gone. He's the only one left convenient. Uh, but these cracks start to form in the ground uh, 
behind him and spread quickly towards him. And he draws his sword and lets out a battle cry and charges ahead as fast as he can and uh, skids to a halt and gasps as uh, they reach the big bubbling tar lake that's at the center of this dark forest. He stares at the bubbling goo in this big lake and he gets off of his horse and uh, the cracks start to creep in a little bit towards him and the horse cries, but he uh, pets it to try to calm it down. The horse is very cool. It has like green eyes and a big star on its mm-hmm. nose. It's a cool horse. It's a very cool horse. Yeah, I, I'm a real big fan of it. It's a lot of good horses. There's a lot of good horses in this episode, but there's also a lot of good horses in this show. Mm-hmm. And they animated it really well. Um, yeah. Like the, the the galloping and just like the, the kind of like shaking head motion it does. Pretty cool. The only thing that looks a little weird is when we see it like directly in front. The head shape right. is a little like funky, but it fits the style of the show very well. It's like my favorite Twitter accounts are the ones that like tweet pictures of the Simpsons staring directly into the camera. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looks awful. It's like the one frame where like they turn their head and then they, someone <laughs> freezes on that and it just looks so unnatural. Yeah, because they're not supposed to do that. <laughs> you look left or you look right. Um. Cool horse. Uh, The emperor retrieves that vial and places it on the ground and starts to chant. And he removes the lid from it and like a little green flame flickers up. That's a very familiar shade of green. Yep. (laughs) And he takes out his bow and dips an arrow into this vial and a green substance like solidifies around the tip and he draws the bow and points it high up into the sky and looses the arrow. And in a high arc, it actually like catches the sunlight above and bursts into flame. Mm-hmm. Must've shot that very high or this, this substance is very flammable. That's what I was thinking. And the, like the angle, like it shows him aiming the angle doesn't look right for, for like the arc of the arrow. <laughs> uh, that's all right. I wouldn't, tell them how to do otherwise i was always bad when you would go to like a like a camp on like a school trip or like a Mm -hmm. summer camp field trip where you do like archery lessons i'd always like inevitably be the guy who like hurt his wrist like with the (laughs) bowstring with the bowstring we did archery in middle school gym class actually i think i did it in elementary school gym class badass it's really cool didn't go well um but it is fun yeah, he shoots that arrow and it bursts into flame and then plunges into that that gooey black tar lake. And he watches very intently as the arrow sinks below the surface. And then a big rumbling starts and the black spikes recede down into the bubbling tar. And it seems like this might have worked. Yeah. Maybe it didn't. Well, let's find out. <laughs> Brendan, is there another weird 3D shot that happens in this moment like happened last week? Because I thought that there might have. I didn't notice it in this scene. I did notice it later on, though. Okay. Um, I don't know. But there could have been. Yeah. Like the ring of fire. Is that what you're thinking? No, I I think like the it was almost like the trees that were receding into the goo were almost like three dimensional. I don't know. Maybe Uh, I'm wrong. I'd have to watch it again. Yeah, I didn't catch that, but. So if there is, it wasn't as egregious. <laughs> Not as bad as last week because yeah. it didn't affect you. But maybe I'm just, maybe now I'm just looking for it every You're week. You're trying to I pick them call, out. <laughs> call them out and get their asses. Uh, yeah, those trees recede and it looks like maybe this has worked. But then two little red flames flicker out from the top of this black lake. 
uh, and a large rumble starts, and then a gigantic black pillar bursts out from that lake in a way that we've seen so many times before of like a big black pillar bursting out from the darkness far below. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brendan, he's here. He's here. Our boy is alive. Yep. I'm sorry. I kind of like blacked out for a second there. Did we talk about the two flaming eyebrows sitting on top of the pool? I was actually really surprised that you didn't react to me <laughs> saying two little black flames <laughs> that to- appear on the top. I totally of the missed it. I was I was gone somewhere for a second there. <laughs> that was hilarious to me. I, I knew you would love because the eyebrows are probably your favorite thing on this show. <laughs> Yeah, and there's a, there's actually a second time I want to talk about the eyebrows, but I think that's okay. in the next episode. Okay. Um, but yeah, the way they just like sit, <laughs> floating just on top sitting of on the surface. Yeah, yeah. All right, sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you for catching up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's here, Brendan. This this tall, spiky tree bursts out. It's the tallest one yet, and it soars way high up into the sky. And the emperor looks up at it as the spiked branches on this tree start to sprout out and twist and bend into shape. And they're like creating all of these sorts of like sharp angles and they're Mm -hmm. starting to fold into a very familiar pattern. Yeah. The transformation stops and we see the tall pillar high up in the sky now in its final familiar form and the emperor gasps and that pillar rotates to face the camera just as it did in the opening scene of episode one in Samurai Jack. And it is Aku just as we know him. Ah, super cool. Real badass. <laughs> Very badass. I remember that moment, that first moment of Aku turning to face the camera is still like one of maybe like my favorite shot of the entire show so far. Mm. So I was happy for them to like bring it up again here and yeah. like, the birth of Aku then now just as like the rebirth of Aku then I don't know fun yeah. to have him do the exact same thing it's like a familiar way that he like forms himself uh anytime that he's like been reduced to the the pool and then has to like regain his body yeah the uh Aku is here he's towering high above the emperor there's actually a shot on the ground uh of the emperor looking up at Aku and Aku's eyes are clearly open looking down at him on the ground but then the next shot is a dramatic shot of Aku opening his eyes for the first time yeah there's a couple little weird things that happen there but <laughs> it's okay we're this, picking this, nits this this whole like sequence that's happening now is probably the coolest part of the episode for me so good that I'm willing to forgive any of those yeah yeah small I'll get, I'll get over insignificant that. errors it's okay <laughs> Aku starts to stretch and groan and like contort his body every way and like try to crack like his shoulders and everything. He's like yep. stretching out and relaxing like Homer Simpson relaxing next to the surly teamsters, like getting himself <laughs> all comfortable. <laughs> yeah. It's like, he just like woke up out of a nap the way he's like, oh boy, I got dry. I got dry mouth. <laughs> and he has to like open his fists. Like he's like slept with a clenched fist and he's like, got to like work his fingers out again. Yeah, they all snap into place like one by one with like really gross cracking snap sounds. It's like every he's got like 50 knuckles in each (laughs) finger that like each snap into place. Um, Yeah, he raises his hands up to the sky and summons like a dark spiraling cloud that completely blocks out the sun. And uh, he looks around at his surroundings and looks down and sees the emperor on the ground 
beneath him. Oh! You! Thank you! No! My intention was to destroy you! Oh! Ha ha ha! But it was your poison arrow and your hocus pocus that set me free! <laughs> why would you say that? <laughs> why would he admit that? Yeah, why would yeah, why, he admit that he... Why would you be like, no, I was trying to kill you. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just kill you then. And then just like <laughs> slaps him into the ground. He could have just said, oh, you're welcome. And then like whistled and walked out of the forest like, oh, nothing to see here, folks. Come back when you got a better plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Aku tells him, yeah, you know, thank you for setting me free. So that elixir totally did not work. And I do think it's really fun that like literally like it helped form what Aku was because like the yeah. flames and the green and like all of it is like he contributed to what Aku became. Yeah. Uh, and I what what I think is, I don't know, I, I it's interesting, but it's weird. Uh, is that is was it because it was this guy that did it that Aku has his like Japanese roots like he calls this is where he yeah. calls himself the Shogun of Sorrow um, and it, now is that because it was a, a Japanese emperor that did it so like he picked up some of his like knowledge or personality or something or would do you think this is how he would have been no matter where this happened like if a cowboy shot him with like a revolver with bullets that have been dipped in this green substance, yeah. would he pop out and be like, howdy, y'all. I'm the sheriff of sorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the rootinest, tootinest shapeshifter <laughs> you ever did see. Yeah, like it, it's because he he's from deep space or like Godland, wherever he came from. <laughs> would, would, why Why is he Japanese other than... It was a, a Japanese man that that gave him form. Yeah, I don't know. And also, like, he spent his time living in this Jap. I mean, living is yeah <laughs> putting it one way, but like being Dwelling. in this Japanese land in his yeah primordial form. So like maybe and maybe like that's the majority of the humans that he's consumed. Uh, okay, that could be it too. Yeah, yeah. Um. Also, maybe they just wanted to make a show about a badass samurai, and so the villain also had to be Japanese <laughs> yeah. in nature. Right. Well, no, that's obviously the the, <laughs> the actual explanation. But oh, I'm talking lore-wise. I know. I don't want to be so literal with it, because that's exactly <laughs> the opposite of every conversation that you and me ever have on this show, is we want to make it so much deeper than it is. Maybe because that's the goddamn script. <laughs> <laughs> Lazy writers. <laughs> Um, Aku's here. Yep. The emperor unloads a volley of arrows into Aku, which we know does not work. Nope. And he deals with it exactly the same way he always does. We know where this is going. He absorbs them into his hand, which is like a new concept to him. He like watches them go in his hand. He's like, oh, hey, how about that? Neat. <laughs> That's fun. I might bring this up again sometime. Uh, he laughs and. For the first time in his life, he gets to call someone a fool. He calls the emperor a fool and uh, says that he cannot be hurt by any weapon, which we know to be mostly true. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, just like you said, he announces himself as Aku and already upon birth gives himself nicknames. <laughs> 
Shogun of Sorrow and Deliverer of Darkness. Both. He had those ones cooking when he yep. was in that, the black goo. He's like, mm, what am I, what's going to pop off when I get out of here? If what you look at the bottom AKAs? of the goo pit, there's a bunch of like notes and crumpled up pieces of paper. Where it's like <laughs> Bat, the bad boy. No, that's terrible. No, 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 no. S- scary monster. Yeah, that's something. There's something there. Emperor of evil. That's getting closer. We're almost there. I think he did call himself the evil master of, or the dark prince of darkness one time. <laughs> Something shitty. It's one of his old ones that he could never quite let go of. I couldn't, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm close to something on that one. <laughs> it's like, it's not a good one, but I'll, I'll hold on to it just in case. Uh, Dimongo referred to himself as the merchant of doom, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And Jack <laughs> didn't pay attention to any other word that he said and went, merchant of doom. Yeah. He did. <laughs> Jack's not in this episode. It's kind of sad. I don't know. But it's also very cool. Mm. Um, we'll see him again, I'm sure. Um, yeah, Aku is here, and he is their new master, he says. And the emperor draws his sword and charges to Aku and swipes at his body. And just like you said earlier, he does cut away a chunk of the body, but it instantly reforms. So, like, we know that regular mortal weapons cannot actually <laughs> hurt or damage Aku, but like, this is like the way that I guess society learned that. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody had to be the first one to try. Yeah. He was the Guinea pig and, uh, (laughs) you know, didn't go so well for him, but he'll get his shot. Yeah. He swipes at him and like a black goo spreads down the blade of his sword and like burns it away. And Aku starts like giggling at this. Like he's having so much fun in his first ever fight. Yeah. He, 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 he's it. (laughs) <laughs> Which I he literally was really funny. says, <laughs> He's been waiting so long to laugh. <laughs> he's trying to settle on what kind of laugh he's going to have. He just wants to live, laugh, love, but all he was doing was <laughs> living and certainly not loving. Nope. He's still working on that one thousands of years later. He might not ever find love. <laughs> he did find something with the snake. Yeah, and it seemed like him, him and Jack had a thing when he was... The warrior woman. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, well, you know, if Aku's willing to stay in that form, Jack seemed okay with it. Yeah. So <laughs> Aku says he has to show the world who is master, and he uh, slaps his big black hand down on top of the emperor and pins him to the, the ground in this big old tar pile and uh, swings his finger towards the pit and uh, the black goo creeps into the tar pit, dragging the emperor in with him. Yeah. I really like the way they animated Aku's movements for these shots. Like the way he kind of swipes his finger across the screen. And then the the next portion where he like raises his hands. Uh, it's, it's very, it's all very nice. Yeah. Very fun yeah. to watch. Yeah. He's like, it's, he's like literally like using, sorcery mm-hmm. in this like like mickey mouse like commanding like the brooms and fantasia <laughs> yeah like, yeah delicately guiding the goo um yeah and he, he sweeps him into the tar pit and then a gigantic black tree bursts up out of the tar pit and the emperor is hanging from this tree like jesus christ on the cross you know i, I didn't i didn't even notice but you're entirely right <laughs> There's some, you know, parallels. <laughs> Though what I noticed was that now he's wearing like dirty prisoner garb. Yeah. 
And <laughs> all of his fancy armor was stripped away. And yeah, he's wearing rags. <laughs> uh, and this is the scene where he clearly has aged. Yeah, this just being in this goo has really he's seen some shit in the last five seconds. Um, yeah, he's he's all like disheveled and his hair is all undone and he's dripping with black goo like hanging from this tree. And uh, Aku says to him, gaze your eyes upon the full wrath of the mighty Aku. And he soars up high into the sky and flies away and lands next to the giant tower in the city. Mm hmm. And the emperor's eyes go wide and he screams as Aku blasts that giant tower with flames Mm -hmm. and the camera lingers on Aku and the screen goes black and the words to be continued flash across our screen. Oh man. And that is how episode 37 of Samurai Jack ends, but it's not the end of our story because we'll pick it up next week. Bye. Bye.